We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome to another Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Uh, we are indeed talking uh, Big 12 championship today. K-State will take on TCU in the Big 12 championship game coming up on Saturday in Arlington. Now a top 10 matchup officially as the Frogs move up to number three in the college football playoff rankings and K-State is at number 10. Lots to be excited about, lots to drink about, so make sure that you get your 360 Vodka and Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon from Holiday Distillery. Got a chance to meet some of those folks, along with all of you. Came by the tailgate on Saturday in Manhattan, so really appreciate that. And uh, if you were there, you learned that they are very hospitable people. Lots of free drinks flowing for everybody. It was a great time, and uh, we got rave reviews on Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, uh, including, I believe, from uh, from KSU underscore fan. Isn't that right, Cole? KSU underscore fan who's like bourbon aficionado. He said oh, it was pretty he, he's our bourbon expert, and uh, he was actually, I believe, in Frankfurt, Kentucky that week, uh, picking up a lot of different bourbons, touring Buffalo Trace facility, et cetera. And I can't remember everything that he went to tour. I saw him at Woodford Reserve as well. So uh, he certainly approved of the uh, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond bourbon. I'm a bourbon guy. I approve for sure. I mean, it was delicious. So uh, really enjoyed it and appreciate their, their support as always. And, you know, maybe be on the lookout for possible announcement for us uh, doing a show in uh, Dallas uh, with Holiday Distillery and the support of them. So maybe more to come. We'll uh, keep keep a follow on us on Twitter and maybe we'll have something to announce uh, before end of this week for perhaps a Friday night show. Indeed. At JL Kurtz at uh, it's Cole underscore man back. Is that right? Yeah. So creative. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Making sure. Yeah. Uh, Derek, I'm not going to lie, man. I always forget yours because I just want to say you're old which I won't even say here to bring up your, your competitor. But I digress. Get your 360 vodka, Ben Holiday, Bottled and Bond Bourbon, Holiday Distillery, K-State folks who support the pod, so support them as well. Lots of support for the Cats right now, boys. Uh, we just got done looking at the college football playoff rankings that came out. As we record here on Tuesday night, K-State is number 10 in the college football playoff poll. Now, you know, maybe a, a small little quibble with Clemson uh, being a spot in front, but, you know, that's okay. I'll take top 10. In general, headline number one of the week is going to be just all the national spotlight flowing in, flooding down on the Cats right now. Top 10 in the college football playoff poll. 
College game day is going to be at the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. Paul Feinbaum appears to have been muted by his bosses, coming with a very meek apology for his comment that nobody would be watching uh, the Big 12 championship game, which will have ESPN's number one crew, uh, Fowler and Herb Street, along with Holly Rowe doing the game. It's the only top 10 matchup of the day. Now sounds like the Sugar Bowl really is a certainty. I mean, I, I don't, Derek, where do I even, where do I even start here? Where do we start on all the, the love that's coming in for the Cats right now? Well, I will start by saying it, it's kind of been a little consistent throughout the year for K-State specifically. I mean, this is what the third week in a row. They're the highest ranked three loss team in America. The only three loss team in the top 10. Um, and I know a lot of the metrics do back it up, but it's, it is interesting that of all the teams with, you know, three losses, everyone that follows college football, that ranks college football, that covers college football says Kansas State's easily the best one. Um, I agree. I guess I just didn't, I didn't expect it to be a consensus. I thought, you know, they would usually get the, the, the normal disrespect because of uh, the lack of name uh, that they, they bring to the table or maybe, you know, punch in terms of audience that they bring to the table, but they've gotten a lot of respect throughout the year. So can't stay fans can't really, complain about the lack of respect Kansas State's received this year. Um, oh, we can and, find ways to complain. <laughs> in ways, they've probably, you know, gotten more than they deserved at times. Now they're getting exactly what they deserve, um, and it's a good thing. But I'll also say, coinciding with that, it's just a big spotlight on the Big 12 the last couple of weeks. I think people have really taken notice how, how competitive the league was, um, how exceptional the league was throughout the – and how it could be even without Texas and Oklahoma. It's the second year in a row without either one being in the Big 12 championship game. Um, it's always been known to be a basketball league, but it's – you know, there's a reason why College Game Day picked the Big 12 championship to go to when it could have went to anything, you know, probably aside from the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, the committee obviously really respects K-State. They've respected them all year. I, I thought they would come in at number nine. I'm surprised that Clemson only dropped one spot. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Clemson doesn't have really any good wins. And they dropped one spot for losing to South Carolina at Clemson on their home field, while Oregon on the road at Oregon State dropped seven spots, losing to a team the committee ranked 15th in Oregon State. So that that doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, I digress. So you can't really complain much. I mean, the committee has shown a lot of love and respect to K-State, so I don't have any issues there. Yeah, I, I tell you what, if I was going to – if you were going to argue against Kent State being in the top 10, I know we don't want to do that, but technically they haven't beat a team ranked in the top 25. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you, you do look at K-State's resume that, you know, it's a bunch of seven or six-win teams, right, that they've defeated. They haven't beat anybody with eight wins or more on the, the season. Now they played a tough schedule, Tulane, largely because of that. But it's a good point. I mean, they, they don't have that necessarily resume win um, that really sticks out on your profile. So I, I just – I've avoided calling that out all year because we don't want to harp on any sort of negative there. But I, I think, John, getting back to your point about the significance of this – you know, when you look at the playoff rankings, Ohio State being fifth, one of the largest fan bases in the country. You know, you got Alabama at sixth, one of the largest fan bases in America. You know, you look at last year's Big 12 championship at Baylor, Oklahoma State, and I don't remember what the TV ratings were, but it didn't necessarily have playoff implications. Oklahoma State, if they won, was had a small chance to sneak in, but it was unlikely still. Uh, you know, this one has playoff implications. So Ohio State fans, Alabama fans, they're going to be glued to their TV, hoping for TCU to lose, rooting for K-State. 
and K-State being really the lone championship game at that 11 a.m. kickoff time, other than, you know, my, my Mac conference, which used to be on Friday night. There's no competition. It's the college game day game. It's the number one crew. It is a huge opportunity to shine a spotlight on the Kansas State program, build the brand. Uh, the TV rating should be insane for this game. So uh, I, I think it's a monumental opportunity to do that. And, you know, I look at the Sugar Bowl the same way. You know, you're going to have a real opportunity to have back-to-back games with major ratings because of the opponent you're playing or the impact of the game. Yeah. What I will say is, and I know Kurtz can probably tell me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Oklahoma State Baylor conference title game last year had really high rankings, if I remember correctly. Four four point eight million. Yeah, it was like four four eight three uh, was was the number last year for Baylor Oklahoma State, and uh, yeah, that was. I mean, you know, loose loose playoff implications there. Uh, I think if Oklahoma State had won, there's a chance that they would have been a, a playoff team last year. But there, there's more intrigue with it now. And TCU, I mean, has become a story, like, like it or not, for a lot of people who have taken the negative angle on TCU. Although that that does seem to be dying down, probably helped that they waxed Iowa State the way that they did on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I think you're I think you're going to see a bigger number than that. Um, I saw the Big Twelve putting out the third straight year. There's been a top ten matchup in the the Big Twelve championship game. So typically, this has been uh, this has been a very good opportunity to to shine. Uh, light on the conference in the second straight year it's not texas or oklahoma that's in that game also so yeah there's a, there's a lot to like there i on the sugar bowl i know we we touched on this last time dy but it just seems like more and more momentum moving toward that being a, a certainty that k-state would be in the sugar bowl against alabama tennessee or lsu here at the moment even chris del conte texas's athletic director responding <laughs> to a, a fan on twitter who was asking about it like texas fans begging for it I mean, let me just say watching for back-to-back weeks, I mean, this is this season's been pretty awesome. Back-to-back weeks, we've we've gotten to see Texas fans just groveling at the feet of Kansas last week. Like, you know, please beat beat K State, please, guy, let us in the Big Twelve Championship game. Big mighty Texas, let us in there. And then this week, it's Texas fans groveling at the feet of the Sugar Bowl. Like, oh, hey, at Sugar Bowl, we have Bijan Robinson. We're pretty awesome. You know, he might not play in the bowl game, but wait, we got Bijan. We're pretty awesome. Let us into the Big Twelve Championship game. It's like, uh, or, or the Sugar Bowl. My bad. And uh, no. No, K State is going to be there, not you, Texas. So yeah, that's been pretty great. It'll be it'll be Kansas State, and judging by the playoff rankings tonight, considering you know not everyone has a game left on the schedule, I would imagine it's Alabama. I don't think that Alabama is going to be able to get into the playoff, and unless LSU does the unthinkable and upsets Georgia on Saturday, then Alabama is the highest ranked SEC team that's not is- in the is that the uh, is that the bylaw then dy for the sec in the sugar bowl the highest ranked team okay. yeah it's the highest ranked team in the playoff pool that's not in the playoff so that that is alabama because they're number six um because they're not going to jump ohio state neither of them are Ohio state are playing this week so oh, that's a good point so alabama fans probably don't i, I guess Depending upon when I mentioned Alabama fans being locked in our game their only way they're going to be locked in on the k state tcu game is if usc loses on right. friday night and then they would root for TCU to lose too, and that's how they could get in. And I tell you what, it kind of surprises me, and I'll believe it, and I agree with it, but I also believe it when I see it. Like most people think TCU's in, even if they lose. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Logically, a lot of steps would take you to that, but we've just seen it so many times with the, the Big 12 <laughs> disrespect that I I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, 
It might, it, it might, it might depend on how the game goes. Yeah, it it would have to be a. I think it'd have to be a close game, which I think it will be a close game. But TCU couldn't lose by you know 14, 17 points in my opinion and get in at that point. It's got to be something that looks good to the eye that Kansas State looks legit and it's like a three point, seven point type game. Do 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 we want Bama? Do do we want Bama? Um, that's. I mean, uh, you, you, at this point, if you're Kansas State, I don't think that you're uh, you're picky. You get to play in the Sugar Bowl, you do it. Well, so you know, we just don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. So you know, these SEC, these these blue blood programs have so many guys that opt out for these bowl games, right? Will Bryce Young opt out? Certainly would think so, right? I mean, he's going to be a top two or three pick in the draft, but. And I don't see that he would play. Would Will Anderson play? Another probably top five pick in the draft. I I don't think so. You know, if a lot of those guys opt out, then I'm I'm okay getting Bama. I don't want Bama if Bryce Young and those guys are playing. All right, I'll just be frank about it. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I liked the LSU draw better just because Nick Saban versus Brian Kelly in terms of a matchup. I'd much rather face Brian Kelly. I mean, Brian Kelly just lost to Texas A&M by 15. Yeah. So I, I would much prefer LSU uh, beating them again in their own backyard. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers here. You know, it, it's it's a huge opportunity, again, to shine a spotlight on your program. And you, you have nothing to lose, right? Especially, you know, if you get the Big 12 championship on Saturday, I'm going into that game with a nothing to lose mentality for sure. And just throw it out on the table. Nobody expects you to beat Alabama. And if you do, you're going to pound our chest for, for decades about that. <laughs> And, and and if they if you beat them when, without Bryce Young or Will Anderson, you'll never even bring that up either. Yeah. yeah, nobody will nobody will remember when that flag's flying with a Sugar Bowl win over Alabama. You know, no one's it's not going to say Sands, Bryce Young, and uh, Will Anderson, et cetera. So, yeah. I mean, look, if if this was the year you were going to play Bama, and we'll talk about this more when the time comes, but you know, they they don't have quite the weapons at the skill positions. Uh, they don't have a Jamison Williams or one of those dynamic receivers. I mean, they're still good, but it's it's a better matchup, better time to get them. Um, you know, look, I, they nearly lost. They they lost to that LSU team, right? They nearly lost to Ole Miss. I, I mean, those are teams. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, those, those are teams also, they competed with. And I also think there's still just a, a certain amount of cachet that you get just with your name next to Alabama for three or four weeks and all the promos on TV though. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, it, it's a recruiting draw, right? DY, because it shows kids that choose K-State that you can be put on that stage still against yeah. a big name blue blood program like Alabama. So it's meaningful in that way. And it will get talked about. Your name is going to be next to that Alabama logo for that four weeks, like you mentioned. So I think that's meaningful. I, I, a Hendon hookerless Tennessee sounds kind of nice to me too, but I do understand. I do understand what you guys are saying. Hookerless Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, K-State, we've already, we have already been there, done that, Cole. K-State's already, you know what, slapped Tennessee around in a bowl game before. So. And LSU. Yeah. And LSU. You're right. Both I of mean, them are old hat. How could I forget? Can, you can start to check the boxes of a lot of SEC schools if you could beat Alabama, Missouri, Mississippi State. I mean, yeah, bring them on a yeah, roll. Yeah, LSU, Alabama, uh, Tennessee. I think I, we're missing a couple, right? Isn't there? Uh, could well, we should have Vanderbilt on there, but but thanks. <laughs> Let's thanks, not bring that one up. Yeah, thanks, Dana. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we want Vandy. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
Uh, Adrian Martinez, headline number two. Adrian Martinez sounds like may be available on Saturday to play, which is very apropos because TCU has knocked out Dylan Gabriel, Adrian Martinez, Will Howard, <laughs> Jalen Daniels. Uh, last week, Hunter Deckers, they beat Spencer Sanders to a pulp, which set him off on a terrible injury track for the rest of his season. I mean, it's just like every quarterback TCU has played this year. And seemingly, they, they wind, wind they, up. They injured, they injured the tech quarterbacks, too. Yeah, Donovan yeah. Smith and Tyler Shuck. Okay, so two tech guys. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the laundry list uh, for TCU this year. So it would be very comforting if Adrian Martinez is in some form available on Saturday. D.Y., you were the one actually at the press conference. Are we buying Chris Kleiman saying that there is a chance here, and he even floated potentially a package being in there for, for Adrian? I, I have some second guesses, and I know we talked about it on air about the a specific package because if he is healthy, I think the legs is, although his best asset, um, you know, that's the easy way to get him hurt again. I don't know if you do that, but I, I do think it's comforting to have him available. I do buy it. I asked the question, actually, and look, he's been pretty transparent about Adrian's injury this time around and, and what his timetable would be, and he said not season ending, and, and you know. I always heard it would be, you know, around that four or five week timetable. We're we're approaching that timetable, so I can see how he would be potentially available. And I do think it's comforting. Uh, you don't want Will Howard to get knocked out of the game. Let's knock on wood. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Of course, but let's face it: TCU has a pretty big habit of doing that. You laid it out there. So having. I think a more competent quarterback. No offense to Jake Ribley, but a more competent quarterback behind Will Howard. Um, is a nice security blanket to have for this particular ball game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I would like to have Adrian Martinez in uniform as an emergency option if something were to happen to Will Howard, which we all hope does not occur. But, you know, I don't want Jake Ribley to have to go in on that stage and platform. Uh, it's too big of a game. I want a veteran quarterback that could take the field in a pinch, uh, even if it was just for three or four snaps. You know, if Will Howard got dinged up and they had to check on him or something, I would want it to be Adrian that could be out there at the very least to stand in the pocket and, and, you know, still hopefully deliver some, some strikes in the passing game and move around a little bit. I don't think they'd call any QB designed runs with him, but yeah, that I, I would like to have Adrian dressed and in uniform. And if you saw him on the sideline Saturday, I know he was limping some, but that he had a boot on and we talked off air, like, you know, when you're walking around in a boot that sometimes gives an appearance that you have a limp. And, you know, I saw him throwing balls on the sideline, helping warm Will Howard up you know, at different points in the game. So he continues to show how good of a teammate he is. And I, I would not be surprised at all, to your point, D.Y., if he's in uniform, just because Chris Kleiman has not lied about this. He was very open and transparent the last two weeks that he would be out. And this is the week that he said when he was asked by you that, yeah, he they're going to evaluate it Wednesday, Thursday, and, and he may be able to, to be dressed. Yeah, I would add this too. I was on row two uh, for the game on Saturday, at, right behind the K State bench, and there was oh, just watching Adrian Martinez was really, really interesting. Uh, like he he was running around, like fired up, like pumping guys up too, like on the sideline. I mean, just as engaged as as you really possibly could be. And, and for a guy in his position, uh, just a, a, an incredible amount of respect uh, for Adrian Martinez. So even just for his sake, you know, to get out there and be able to to play and feel like he's more involved uh, on Saturday, I think would, would be great yep. for all parties involved there. Okay, well, speaking of the game, uh, final headline would just be that K-State has every right to believe that they they belong in this game and can win this game. I mean, 
Speaking of the quarterback situation, right? Uh, K-State had to play two possessions with Jake Rubley, which turned into a turnover on downs and a very bad interception in what was a 10-point loss in Fort Worth. The K-State led at one point by 18 in the first half. So, yeah, TCU looked pretty daunting on Saturday against Iowa State. Um, but you knock out the quarterback. Iowa State checked out at, a, at the end of a season where they don't have a bowl still as a possibility. I mean, lots of reasons to also point to K-State being much better here late in the year than they were at the time because that was the genesis of the Will Howard thing in Fort Worth. Now K-State's comfortable with that offense. They put out like a five-game track record of him being predominantly the quarterback, and we've seen what the results have been. So uh, no reason for K-State to go into this game thinking that they, they absolutely cannot win this thing. Yeah, and, and when we spoke to the players on Tuesday, they, they certainly had that belief. You could tell even some of them said, hey, it's tough to beat a team twice. I mean, they, they had some – little bit of a swag about them that they believed that they were going to win this game and they certainly should feel like that you laid out a lot of reasons one that you didn't mention um ty zentner a kicker um the kicking game kind of came into play in fort worth and on the negative side when chris Tennant was still the place kicker i think now you have a a lot more confident in your kicking game where it's not going to take points off the board because they left points on the board in fort worth the defense crumbled a little bit in the second half injuries really took a toll on that game um you mentioned a few of them there with will howard and and adrian martinez but is that the daniel green rib, rib injury yeah. that that propped up and he missed the, even the following game as well deuce vaughn i want to say missed almost a quarter or over a quarter of football i think that's pretty um substantial uh, julius Prince has been burnt maybe once all season it was in that game because he pulled his hamstring i believe um uh, on a route so there were i mean Everything that was one of those games, even though they went up 28 to 10, thanks to Wilt Howard kind of busting onto the scene where everything that could go wrong did go wrong and still only lost by 10 and were pretty competitive against the team that went 12 and 0. So they should have, you know, every belief that they can win this game. I think they do have every belief they can win this game. They also have a lot of respect for TCU. They did say, or Chris Kleiman said, they're the TCU's the fastest team that they played this season if you consider all three phases of the game. And talking to Austin Moore and Eli Huggins, and they said, you know, Kendra Miller's the best or the second best running back that they played all year. And then they both said, and you could probably guess who the other one was, obviously B. John Robinson. So the only running back that they were certain that was better than Kendra Miller is B. John Robinson. And that's pretty strong praise, too. I walked out of the stadium that night thinking that Kansas State was the better football team. And if it wasn't for all the injuries that piled up, that K-State would have won. You know, you just mentioned a DUI, but the 55-yard touchdown of Quentin Johnston was a result of Julius Prince getting hurt on the play. You know, and Julius Prince is one of the few guys you can ill afford to lose when you're playing TCU. Quentin Johnston is the perfect matchup for him. They're both huge. You know, Quentin Johnston's a 6'4", dynamic receiver, big play waiting to happen. And Julius Prince is your six foot four corner with incredible length and wingspan and one of your best tacklers as well. And Daniel Green. The other guy you can really ill afford to lose against Kendra Miller. And what happened was they just wore down that K-State defense because there were so many injuries that piled up. You know, they, they couldn't get Kendra Miller to the ground. And TCU ran the ball 56 times in that game. They ran it on 68% of their offensive possessions, which remains a season high for the Horn Frogs all year. You know, they held the ball for 38 minutes to K-State's 21, which is the lowest that K-State has held the ball all season, the most snaps to K-State defense. Not the most snaps they were on the field, but one of the most, you know, it was 82 plays for TCU to just 53 for K-State. 
and 10 of 19 on third downs for TCU versus just three of nine for K-State. And yet you had the two missed field goals. You mentioned it, D.Y., and this is a credit to KSU underscore fan. He, he was texting us earlier today. Since that TCU game, K-State special teams have improved 33 spots in the national rankings of all the advanced metrics and analytics. K-State special teams now rank 10th in the country overall when you factor in every various return efficiency, punt return efficiency, field goal kicking, et cetera, punting. Uh, K-State's 10th in the country, TCU's 12th, two of the better special teams units in America. But K-State has taken a big jump since that TCU game as a result. So I think there's a lot of reasons to like K-State here. You know, that was at TCU, a tough atmosphere. This is a neutral field. To me, this is really a coin flip game. It's a 50-50 type game that Kansas State has every right to potentially win. Uh, and and I, you know, I'll spoil it. I, I think K-State is going to win this game. I will say, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I, I just poking around some TCU stuff today, having to pop up on the timeline. I saw that Sonny Dyke said Quentin Johnston was as looked as good and, and was as healthy as he's been in like a month in practice this week. So, you know, I mean, TCU's dealt with some things too. Uh, I'm sure they would formulate some reasons why their situation would be better as well. So, I, but either way, getting a healthy like Quentin Johnston, Julius Brent's matchup out wide is uh, that's pretty awesome. That's good stuff. Kendra Miller also said that it's the best that he's felt in quite a while. His legs feel fresh. And look, they didn't play Quentin Johnston against Iowa State. They didn't need him, so they did rest him there. And Kendra Miller over the last two weeks has only carried the ball 10 and 15 times in each game, respectively. So they've limited his touches a little bit. But, you know, as, as you start – we'll dive into this more down here. But you start to look at the way this TCU offense is starting to move. It's not that upward trajectory, all right? I know they just scored 62 on Iowa State, but a lot of that was the defense setting it up and Iowa State making mistakes. There were two pick sixes. There was another turnover that set them up with a 20-yard field for a touchdown, et cetera. And then I think Iowa State just folded and packed up as well. But over the last four games, TCU is averaging 2.4 points per drive. That is significantly lower than their metric on the season. And they're averaging five and a half yards per play. And over the last three games, they're only averaging 3.7 yards per rush. So all of their stats are trending downward from what they were earlier in the year. Now, is that a metric of injuries wearing down or just teams figuring them out? Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I have every right reason to believe that K-State will be uh, in a very close game on Saturday against the Horn Frogs. Well, some of it could also be what you said right before, too, and not to take away from your point, but if you, you know, you have three or four short fields. That's less yards you can get too. So they can't. It's hard to get explosives when you only have to go 20, 30 yards. Yeah, I mean, look, we we could break down the numbers a million different ways. I, I think the point is, and it's been well illustrated by by Cole and Derek. I mean, there's just as much reason to believe that K State is is the equal of TCU here, uh, despite the the three game difference in the records. In terms of what these teams actually are and how they're composed right now, we can just roll right in, Cole, to the the TCU preview. Um, you know what? Actually, let's 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 take a break. We'll take a break. Uh, get a little bit more from Cole on the TCU offense and defense coming up next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on three ma. John DY Cole. Uh Cole, you started going in on the TCU offense. I mean, look, Max Duggan's a tremendous story. I frankly, he should be getting more Heisman buzz than he is. A little disappointing to me that that he's not. I understand Caleb Williams is going to be the guy, barring some complete and utter disaster in the Pac-12 championship game, but Duggan deserves an invite uh for the way that that he's played this year. They've got, I mean, Quentin Johnston, a monster out wide. They've got some other real great athletes. And Kendra Miller, uh you know, I mean, 1A, 1B with, with Deuce for second best back in the league, probably. Uh, so weapons abound. Weapons abound for the Horned Frogs on that side of the ball. Well, they, they definitely have plenty of weapons. You know, I, I we talked about on the TCU preview pod in October before that game that Kendra Miller was one of the more underappreciated backs, and he really was last year. You know, they had Zach Evans, who stole the story, the spotlight, transferred to Ole Miss after this last season. But Kendra Miller has averaged over six yards per carry throughout his career. He's a physical bruising running back. Uh, I think he's averaging almost four yards after contact. At least he did against K-State in that game. He's hard to bring down. And, you know, he's got 1,260 yards rushing on the year on 199 carries. He's around six and a half yards per rush, uh, actually 6.3 yards per rush. He has 700-yard games this season. Um, I mentioned earlier his carries have been down a little bit the last two weeks, but I think they're trying to get him fresh here for the stretch run. You know, when, when K-State played TCU in October, the Horn Frogs led the country at 6.6 yards per carry. They're now averaging 5.2 yards per rush on the season. So the numbers have moved down a little bit. I mentioned 3.7 yards per rush over the last three weeks for him. But John, you mentioned the receivers and obviously Quentin Johnson gets the headlines. He's the dynamic six foot four you know, junior receiver who's a big play waiting to happen, goes up and gets the football, probably going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, they also have Tay Barber, who's a, a veteran receiver, and Darius Davis, and then Savion Williams, a 6'5 junior receiver who's come on recently, has nearly 400 yards on the season. But if you look at Quentin Johnston, Tay Barber, and Darius Davis combined uh, over their careers, they've combined for 360 catches, 5,300 yards receiving, and 31 receiving touchdowns in their career. So that's a veteran group of receivers. And one guy I do not want to lose track of is Jared Wiley, the six foot seven transfer tight end from Texas. You know, we didn't talk about him much before the October game. He's only got 197 yards receiving on the year, but against K-State, he had five catches for 74 yards. So about 40% of his season's yards came against K-State. And I mentioned this because it seemed like they found an area they wanted to exploit with the tight end against K-State's defense, especially with all the injuries that mounted in that game. 
uh, and they were hitting Wiley over the middle of the field and he was wide open against K-State. So K-State has to be cognizant of that, especially with some of the safeties that are going to be on the field, B.J. Payne, T.J. Smith, without Kobe Savage and Sincere Mason. You know, yeah, we look at the other numbers. This is the most explosive offense in the Big 12. 53 plays of 20 yards or more in Big 12 play alone, conference play. 37 of those 53 plays are through the air. They're third in the country nationally in overall explosiveness, uh, fifth nationally in pass play explosives, and 23rd in run play explosives. So, you know, you got to limit the big play, and that that's going to be a big part for this K-State defense. They saw it firsthand, obviously. Quentin Johnson had the 55-yard touchdown, and Darius Davis on the first series of the game against K-State had a 65-yard touchdown on a third down conversion. So, you know, they, they've, they're a big play waiting to happen. They've got a lot of weapons. Uh, but I do think you can also get after Max Duggan. You know, they're allowing a 6.2% sack rate, which is 66 nationally. He's been sacked 22 times. I think K-State can get some pressure on him. They did in Fort Worth, and I, I think they can get even more pressure in this matchup. One other thing, too, that I, I will point out, K-State, you know, you talk about the big plays there. Uh, still a little bit concerned about no Kobe Savage or, or Sincere Mason on the back end of the defense, two guys that were in that game in, in Fort Worth. So that is something to monitor, but the the positive on that side would be that K-State did a great job against Kansas of, of not giving up the big play, and that's been one of the best big play offenses in the Big 12, if not, if not the best. Maybe number two to TCU, as you just outlined there. As far as the Frogs defensively go, Cole, uh, what, what is standing out there right now? Well, there uh, I saw a tweet earlier today. It was from uh, Per Sports Sports Source Analytics that said TCU made the biggest improvement in the country in points per possession defense from 2021 to 2022. That's a huge credit to their new defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie, who came over from Tulsa. Uh, he's been a heck of a hire for them. They've, they've drastically improved on that side of the football, uh, but they're still they're still not elite. They're, they're respectable on that side. They're averaging 2.03 points per drive allowed, which is 45th in the country, 5.4 yards per play allowed, which is number 36 nationally. The the one box score that really sticks out, and I watched the game, you know, I had two TVs set up when K-State was playing Baylor and TCU was playing Texas. It is still stunning that they held Texas to 28 yards rushing on 22 carries. Now, you could argue that Texas didn't give the ball nearly enough to B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. But to hold Texas to 1.3 yards per rush after what we've seen from that, that offense that uh, Texas has when they commit to running the ball, that's pretty insane. And they held Texas overall to 199 yards of offense and just 3.3 yards per play. So that's one of the, the box scores that really sticks out to me. The other thing that's interesting about them is they're 16th in the country in pass efficiency defense. They actually lead the Big 12 in pass efficiency defense. Yet, when you look at the explosives, they're 105th overall in the country at preventing explosive plays, um, 123rd in pass explosives. So, you know, they, they really struggle against the pass and giving up big plays, 90th in yards per completion allowed at 12.4. So you look at this K-State offense, uh, the reason I bring this up is because K-State has actually been one of the more explosive offenses in Big 12 play, and I want to make sure I get the numbers right for you guys. Uh, because I, I went through every single play of TCU and K-State today on the offensive side of the football, and K-State has 48 plays of 20 yards or more in Big 12 play. Uh, so 48 explosives. I mentioned earlier TCU has 53 explosives on the offensive side of the football. K-State has 37 passing plays 
of 20 yards or more. They're 33rd overall in the country in explosive plays, number 13 in run play explosives, and number 41 nationally in pass play explosives. So the offense has become much more dynamic and hitting more home runs, especially with Will Howard at quarterback. Will Howard uh, has 22 passes of over 20 yards since he became the quarterback for K-State. And K-State is also, we've talked about their ability to convert on third down, and that's going to be a big factor in this game because they went three of nine against TCU and Fort Worth on third down. With Will Howard at quarterback, K-State has converted on 13 third downs where they needed eight yards or more. Very impressive. Um, I don't know. I, I could go through more numbers, but I don't want to wear everybody out with it. I, I, I think one of the most impressive stats, the last thing I really want to hit on, Guys, and this is from KSU underscore fan who called this out today. Jimmy, uh, appreciate him for calling this out since Will Howard has become the quarterback. So when you look back at the TCU game, and I know Adrian Martinez played the Texas game, so you got to factor that in somewhat. But since the start of that TCU game to now, K-State's offense has moved up 53 spots nationally and points per drive, moved up 41 spots in pass success rate, made a 61 spot jump in explosive plays, and the most staggering number is that K-State has jumped up 90 spots nationally in explosive plays in the passing game since week seven. So, you know, we've talked about the, the jump K-State's made under Will Howard, and that, that just calls that out. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, really. The only explosive plays in the passing game before that were like, you know, there's the broken play against Iowa State. There was the Malik Knowles <laughs> fumble at the one-yard line against Iowa State. And, and like, I guess the Cade Warner catch against Tulane. Uh, that was about it. Uh, for the yeah. first first five games of the season. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's been wild. Yeah, K-State was dead last in the country entering week seven in explosive passing plays, 131st okay. out of 131 FBS teams. And now they're sitting at 41st nationally in explosives in the passing game. That's just a – it's a crazy jump and uh, a large credit to Will Howard and, and Colin Klein for, for making that happen. All right, let's take another break. We'll come back and get you uh, quick hitters, lead pipe block of the week, predictions. You know what's coming up. Uh, it's next year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, and we're back. Uh, D.Y. is now ready to go for quick hitters because he just got some more coffee. He's sitting here pounding coffee at 8 o'clock at night. I don't know how you do it, my friend, but uh, I hope. Are you, are you feeling better? You ready? Yeah, it's real interesting is that I'm doing this and we're recording this on Tuesday night right before I have a 5.40 a.m. flight tomorrow morning too so yeah like just keep that pot you know just keep the 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 plate the the heater plate on that pot of coffee on the entire night you're gonna need it in the morning so what's what's this travel schedule dy you're going to indianapolis for the butler game and then you're flying thursday to dallas for yeah. the big 12 title yep 
uh, the life of a media star. No rest for the weary. Yeah, I mean, and Kels is also flying up for the Butler game, but he's flying back to Manhattan and then driving to Texas, and I want to know. Kellis, Kellis, <laughs> come on, man. You got to pound your fist a little bit more at uh, everybody in McClatchy. McClatchy, is that right, Colt? Did I get that right, McClatchy? Yeah, something like that. Look, the Manhattan Mercury one time was going to have me cover a – I covered a game in Norman, Oklahoma, for basketball against the Sooners on a Saturday. K-State was going to play – Texas Tech on a, I think a Monday or Tuesday. Bottom line is, it was going to be in Lubbock, and they they had me. They wanted me to drive back Manhattan and then drive back to Lubbock a day later. So look, uh, I didn't I didn't make that trip. I uh, let my uh, my buddy, my sports editor, Josh Kinder. He he gladly took the trip to Lubbock. So I I usually have found ways to get out of going to Lubbock. That's no offense to Texas Tech. I love love Texas Tech. I just uh, it's a long trip, especially when you got to drive. Yeah. I don't mind going going to Lubbock, to be honest. Driving, what, yeah, dri- the driving part sucks. I like Lubbock once you get there, but it's the, the problem is getting there. Uh, that that is difficult. Although, hey, it's really nice when you're working for the Big Twelve and they just fly you straight into the Lubbock Airport with a Patrick Mahomes mural. That was that was nice this past uh, what was that like March? Um, so I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that element of it. Anyway, very off topic, which is uh, pretty appropriate, I suppose, as we head into some quick hitters here. We, we discussed this a little bit. Adrian Martinez, potentially available here. TCU annihilating quarterbacks this year. What number is going to be higher on Saturday? Adrian Martinez snaps or Will Howard passing touchdowns? Adrian Martinez snaps or Will Howard passing touchdowns? I'll still go with Will Howard touchdown passes because I think he's going to get at least three. And Ooh. I'm still not convinced that uh, that Adrian Martinez plays. I mean, I, I think he's available, but I don't know that he's going to have to play, even if he is. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take the uh, I'm going to take the Will Howard uh, touchdown passes. I guess just to avoid the the bad juju, that, that probably is the play. I don't. I mean, well, look, John, we don't need you. It was the TCU game that you. Uh, you infected your will on this with the Will Howard comments, so uh, we don't need you saying anything <laughs> again. Okay, well, I, I guess then then what I need to do here is Adrian Martinez is totally playing. Adrian Martinez all day. He's going to play pretty much the entire game. So I'll go uh, I'll go Adrian Martinez there on that one. Uh, same same strategy you used with your your pick last week, Cole. Your lead pipe lock. That's right. Uh, okay, recruiting going quite swimmingly uh, right now for the Wildcats. <laughs> they picked up a. Commitment from a stud junior college cornerback who's 6'3", basically your your Julius Brents replacement here, chose K-State over Iowa, Florida State, Oregon State. Um, that has happened here recently. K-State also got their first in-state commit for the 2024 cycle before Kansas has even landed one in the 2023 cycle. So it seems like things are really picking up here. I'll let you expand upon that in a minute, but I do want you to answer this question first, Derek, and that is uh, – Two guys that are high profile and K-State fans are going to start turning toward now that we're getting close to December signing day. True or false, K-State will land at least one of Dylan Edwards or Josh Manning. <laughs> Man, you put me on the spot. That is a good one. <laughs> and we didn't, one. Didn't, I can't even say I, I didn't get uh, didn't read the uh, outline because you didn't send the outline this week. Well, so, you also but... told me the other day you've only read like two of them that I've sent to you in our entire career working together, which goes back like three or four years. So I think it was back longer than that. So yeah, no, <laughs> I understand not not sending it to me anymore. You might as well just send it to Cool. <laughs> I I will go false. With no, ah, no conviction, with no conviction at all. 
with no conviction at all, I will go false because I think there's still a lot of work left to do on each one with not a lot of time left. It's not impossible, but it's, uh, I think, less than 50%. Is, uh, is Josh Manning's high school coach a Missouri guy, D.Y.? I saw him tweet out a picture. He sure seems like he's an Eli Drinkowitz guy. I mean, it might be Lee Summit. I mean, Kurtz will know this. Lee Summit High School is a big Missouri-based school. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw him. He, he quote tweeted that Eli Drinkowitz quote about instant gratification and said, I wish that this is not Eli Drinkowitz everybody got to know like I do. And and he took all of his play, a lot of his players to go see uh, the Missouri-Arkansas game and tweeted about to, him. Just to, to be fair, that was probably the only time where I would I was on the same page with Eli Drinkowitz. It was a really good uh, answer uh, and a little diatribe that he had about, I think, instant gratification in the transfer portal. So I was actually on the same page with him there. But yeah, Lee Summit, I'm not saying it's a Missouri feeder school, but it's a very strong Missouri Tiger field. They got the same colors, I want to say, as the Missouri Tigers. Drew Locke played there. I mean, yeah. What? Which one Which one would be more likely, Dylan or, or Josh? I, I still think... I would go Dylan as more yeah. likely because he recently visited, right? He visited for the Texas game. Manning still hasn't. Um, he's committed to Missouri. And I that's going to be a hard one to break, even if he has got an eye for Kansas State, just with everything that went into that decision. Um, the family kind of pulled there. That, that one's going to be hard to break. His brother's in Columbia, remember. Yeah. Well, on the before we move on, real quick on the recruiting front, like what what else needs to be shared right now about the momentum that K State has? I, you, there, there's a little bit of insight to this if you're if you're a subscriber to uh, on three, uh, yeah, K State online. Dy's written a little bit about this, but where where are things headed right now positively? They're definitely trending up, or just as a general sense. Uh, I mean, I in so in so many words, I've had a few good sources tell me like that they've had some players that were probably felt like they were out of Kansas State's league at some point, um, kind of come back into the picture in the recent weeks or days, um, just because they see, you know, Kansas State status in the, in the college football landscape at this point. So I, I think they're turning some heads that they weren't turning before. Um, and, you know, they just landed and beat Florida State for, I think, is a guy that is a, is a four-star and on three consensus, I want to say, and junior college cornerback Willie. Uh, six foot three, as you said, kind of maybe your your next Julius Brents type quarterback. So that really you know fits a need for Kansas State going into the next season. Uh, and you got your first 2024 commit. You're still out there trading to Chase, Trace Bybee, Asa Newsome, Joshua Manny, Dylan Edwards, um, and not out of the ball game. So there is potential for a big finish. Um, and in really starting the 2024 class as well. We have some other tidbits on the side about that. I, I don't think, you know, they just landed Mill Valley offensive tackle Gus Hawkins as the first class of 2024 commit. I don't think it's going to take much longer to get a second one. Where do you think Hawkins would rank in the uh, 2024 class rankings for the state of Kansas, D.Y.? Well, he's probably going to be a top three, I would imagine. Um, it's not going to be a deep class. You're talking less than 10 power five kids, I believe. So, okay. Well, just watching his, watching his highlights last night, he looks like a guy that could grow into be a monster at the tackle yeah, position. Mean, he's what six, is he six, 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 five, uh, 245 pounds. So a guy that's 
you know, he's going to be 270 probably in a year or two. Um, he's yeah. going to go into that frame pretty easily. Um, and I know this is way down the line, but Justin Woods is a former Kansas State player. No, I don't think he was in Manhattan for very long. Kind of a Ron, Ron Prince era, baby. I remember Justin Woods. Well, his son is Jaden Woods, the 2025 lineman, uh, defensive lineman at Mill Valley, Mill Valley Powerhouse, right? They just won their, I believe it's their third consecutive state championship. Hope I'm not selling them short on that. They're, they're a powerhouse right now. Um, he has play, he's got a few offers. I think Kansas State was first for his name is Jaden Woods. Uh, I had someone tell me today that he'll probably be a five star in that class. Ooh. Wow. What about uh? I mean, you want to share anything? Jordan Allen is a guy that's exploded on the recruiting trail. K State commit from Olathe South here, and uh, there there seems like they're holding things off for him. I think they're holding things off. Now he visited Oklahoma, and I know that wasn't out there a lot. We we discussed it on our site. Um, you know, as a premium, some premium pieces. He did visit Oklahoma a few weeks ago. He did visit Kansas State immediately the week after. I'm I'm not really concerned there. I think he's buttoned down, but he was the one commit that at least you know took a visit and entertained another school. Um, there's plenty in this class that have, that, have, that have been continued to be pursued by other programs, other Power 5 programs. I mean, we all know about the Avery stuff, of course. Yeah, I, I only bring up Jordan Allen because in past classes, he'd be K-State's top commit. But he gets, you know, detracted from because Avery, and there's so much attention on him. But, I mean, to win a recruiting battle for a guy that has offers from USC, Tennessee, and Oklahoma is pretty, yeah. pretty special. That that one probably doesn't get spoken about enough just because of Avery. Um, um, maybe the timing of when Jordan Allen jumped into the class as well, and there was all the Dylan Edwards, Andre Davis. I think people even still ask about John Randall as well. Jordan Allen kind of gets swept under the rug just because of how good of a year in Kansas. Jordan Allen would probably be the number one player in Kansas in 2024. What, what's, what's Randall's deal right now? What's the sitch there? Uh, I think that he's – Probably got a lot of stuff on his plate. We'll see what happens with him. I, I, I don't, I'm not confident that there's a marriage to be had between him and Kansas State, but um, that one's a little bit harder to get information out of. But I also think he's still got work left to do as well on his, on his end. And um, we'll see if he ends up anywhere in December. That'll be interesting. Just like Asa Newsome. I know I'll write about it soon. So this might be breaking, so to speak. In a little bit, Asa Newsom's probably one of the maybe the top target left on the board, um, or at least one of the two or three. And Kansas State could really use that. He's a fantastic linebacker. He's actually a high school linebacker that's so good that he could play right away. I think he could. Um, he's that good. And there's a chance that he is so torn right now between Kansas State, Minnesota, maybe Iowa. And he's a four star on our site that he might take it till February. He might not even sign early. Is there a is there a chance Randall goes JUCO? I wouldn't rule it out. I'm not sure I would rule anything out with Randall at this okay. point. Yeah. Um, but I know this sounds like a flip from what things were at one time and then what uh, and another time. It, you know, it's a revolving door. But I almost think Edwards is probably more likely than Randall. Okay. Well, I got a wry smile on my face when I peek down to the next quick hitter because we are going from Derek's absolute wheelhouse to Derek's absolute not wheelhouse here pop culture yeah pop culture that is indeed correct so as a part of brett yormark's new and improved big 12 we're, we're going to get a it's a halftime show right a halftime show with ashanti national, no, just, anthem. national anthem just national, oh, anthem. national anthem okay i'm sorry <laughs> well, well you should try to convince her to do a halftime show too yeah well maybe we can get that this 
maybe takes a little bit of the the edge off of my question here, Derek. But okay. can you name me an Ashanti song? That's all. Hey, Cole, you're you're more than welcome here too. I don't ask Vanessa. I no cheating here. I need you to name me uh, an Ashanti song. Somebody is that? Oh, but I know all of her. Uh, a few of her like duets with Ja Rule, right? Yeah. There you go. Very good. Very good. What what is it like? What is it like? Always on What's love got to do? Got to do with it, right? Is that one? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, this is an upset. My God. Forget is, there one, is there one called That's Real too or something? I, want to say. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're – you guys are like going Ashanti deep. Were you looking this up earlier today after this came no, out? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. That was also the time where I was probably my wheelhouse of when I really listened to hip-hop music. I, I might have looked it up, John, because in the group text when DY sent that, I asked you guys immediately, who is Ashanti? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know. And then, and then I saw one of the songs. I'm like, oh, I know that song. So, I mean, yeah. what's love? What's love is is a banger. But actually, I forgot about always, always on time, always there when you call, always on time. Dy man, I I, yeah. I could you sing that a little dy for me? I don't know if I know it. No, I will not sing anything. But it's also the antithesis of Kurtz because he's never on time. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little worried about that because we're departing early <laughs> Friday morning for Arlington, and he's riding with us. And I told him, "You, you, I'm, I'm gonna have to." I, you know, when we used to do Powercat Game Day, Corey would always move up the time slot. He would be like, "You know, John Kurtz time," so we'd have to tell him 30 minutes before we actually that's, intended to leave. That's what I. That's what I did with Flando for for forever. <laughs> Well, Colt, let me say, early in the morning is not – that's actually not really the problem. I'm, I'm up at 6 a.m. to go work out every morning during the week, so it'll just be like another Friday for me, man. That's that's fine. Uh, I know, but I'm going to have to get you – you're going to have to get here before you, you know, get your workout wrapped up. You're, you're still going to get a lift in probably. Well, how is this working? Are you coming to pick me up, or do I have to drive all the way to – No, because you're, you're, you're out of the way downtown for the route down south. You're right. You right. I do have to drive all the way to <laughs> – gardener to go meet up with you it's gonna be i am in olathe please you're in like so. south olathe that might as well be gardener like payola am i going to payola or like lacine or something i don't you know no, okay uh, take shots <laughs> okay uh what's your what's your own personal line on a, a ku mizzou liberty bowl what would you set the line at there oh um interesting oh, man i'll tell you what i would say I would, say I would say ku minus three and a half Mizzou's got Mizzou's a good matchup for KU though because they can play D. Um, Mizzou, Mizzou, admittedly, like they they have been much much better the last like month of the season. They have KU's, KU's gotten a little worse. Mizzou's gotten a little bit better. It might have. I wonder if it would be close to a pick'em. Yeah, I, I think I would probably have KS, KU by like minus one or minus two, and the reason being is to me if you give Lance Leipold a month to game plan and scheme things up versus Eli Drinkowitz. I, I like the, the coaching advantage that KU has for sure. Coaching mismatch. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it might mean a little bit more to KU. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Missouri fans would want to win that too, but you know, to finish with a winning season, the motivation factor there, um, I, I would just lean the coaching because of the coaching advantage and you, you get Jalen Daniels, probably the rust knocked off any rust that was left and, you know, get that thing rolling. I know Missouri has a decent defense, but I would probably give a slight edge to KU. 
Okay, so we're all in agreement there, basically. Like, slight, slight nod to the Jayhawks. I, Cole, I think you made the best point out of all of that. I mean, my goodness, if you're giving me Leipold against Drinkwitz after a month there, yeah. Um, another interesting question there. Who actually wants it more? I don't know. I, I feel like it would be Kansas as well. I really I do. think it would be Kansas, but I think both will want it quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just feels. I mean, there's more of a spark to Kansas right now. I don't know. I was I hopped. I went on six ten with Carrington uh, earlier this week, and he he said this to me. Like the thing about K State is it's great culture. They know what they are. There's a real fit. The fans are they they just know what they are. He's like Missouri's kind of a man without a country in the SEC, like fake SEC school out there. It's just not as much of an identity right now. And I think Kansas has developed one this year. Uh, I, would, I guess I will say like I I think I think we're underrating Missouri's give a damn a little bit. I mean, they were smoking cigars after winning number six. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they beat their true rival in, in Arkansas. So why not? Uh, who would you rather, uh, who would you rather pay $9 million a year to Matt rule or Lane Kiffin? Both of those gentlemen now uh, are, are in that tax bracket. Who would you rather pay $9 million a year to rule or Kiffin? Lane Kiffin, I think actually, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really hesitate there. Maybe I should, but here's my thing. Lane Kiffin has been, he has shown that he can win 10 games in the SEC multiple times. I mean, that kind of speaks for itself, in my opinion. Um, at least I think he has. Um, I know they kind of fizzled out a little bit this year, but he's kind of – he's got a track record now at Ole Miss where he's had a lot of success. Um, he's really good at pinpointing his offensive coordinators and defense coordinators, so he's he's hiring really good staffs. Um, I just like what he's done at Ole Miss so for an extended period of time. And then with Rule – I think it's overlooked a little bit that he hasn't done as much as what maybe he's being given credit for in his career in terms of his success. See, I know he had the real one really good year at Baylor. Everything else has been just solid at best. It was a disaster with the Carolina Panthers. And now he's been, you know, I guess he really bartered for it. Got this huge assistant coaching salary pool, right? But it doesn't look like he's making like any incredible splashes with it, at least not yet, because everything that they've announced, it's just guys that have worked with him before. So he's it's not like he's upgrading his staff. He's just getting the same one and paying them more than maybe they deserve, it seems like. That's just my take. Yeah, I have the same take as D.Y. Lane Kiffin has more of a track record of success in the college game that I trust more. You know, because And, and I'm exactly on par with D.Y. with – with the point about rule when I think about Matt rule, I I still think it's too small of a sample size in the college game to think of him as a $9 million a year coach and such a prize, you know, he built temple. Yes, but he, he got temple going and he left soon after I, I, and then he got Baylor going, but he left right after he had that one year of success. And I just, I don't know, like I, I would need to see it more sustained over a longer period of time. And I just haven't seen that yet. So yeah, I, I trust Lane Kiffin more. And I also don't know about Matt Rule's recruiting. You know, I he doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to spend a lot of time recruiting. Now, you could say that he could get assistance to do that with that salary pool. But for what, what D.Y. said, it, maybe not necessarily making those splashy recruiting hires either. You know, he, he talks about how they're going to get the right kids and just develop their program, which isn't a terrible way to go about it. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't I just don't know how much he's going to recruit. Well, that, that's definitely his reputation is that he's a guy that is not crazy about recruiting. I mean, I've heard that many a time uh, from from many of folks. Yeah, I, I look, I would take Lane Kiffin, too. I, I think I think Matt Rule, in terms of the situation Nebraska seemed to be in a week ago, uh, is a pretty good hire. But I think they also 
massively, massively overpaid for him. You know, I think it's pretty clear what happened here. They went to rule. We heard the whispers that he was maybe waiting on AM, wasn't totally keen on hopping on Nebraska. Then it seems like the search moved on to like climbing and Leipold, and there was not uh, a whole lot of biting going on there on that end. So they come back to Matt Rule and just throw a pile of money at him in, in an act of somewhat desperation. I don't, you tell me if I'm wrong, DY, but that seems like what, what the situation kind of is here for Nebraska. Now, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. I don't think he's going to be a disaster. Uh, but I also don't think that he's going to be a guy that is going to consistently get them winning nine or 10 games a year. Yeah, I think Cole would agree too. I think Rule's going to have more success in Nebraska than the prior coaches have who were pretty much fired right away and had no semblance of success, especially Scott Frost. But it does seem like they went to Rule. He played hard to get, and they're like, well, crap, we, we got to find somebody else. And they looked at Leipold. It sounded like they even had an in-person conversation with Lance Leipold in Lawrence. Um, I think they tried to get Chris climbing to budge and that just wasn't happening. And then they were panicking a little bit. And I think that's why you heard names like Dave Doran and Bronco Mendenhall that they were maybe going to have to resort to as well. Then uh, kind of a brush of luck on their part, I think, because then Matt Rule, I think, also had a reality check for him that Texas A&M wasn't going to open. I think I think that's clear because, you know, Jimbo was allowed to fire his offensive coordinator and he's going to stay on, even though he's the one calling the plays. So I think once Rule realized Texas A&M wasn't going to be an opportunity that he could capitalize on, um, why not take, you know, this nine, 10 million a year at Nebraska at that point? So I think you spelled it out perfectly. I also don't like the way that Nebraska structured that contract. I, and maybe that's what oh they my had. God, it is so backloaded. It's insane. It's so backloaded. So if he's not a success, man, you're really screwed at the back end of that deal because I know a lot of it's guaranteed. I was going to ask if it was fully guaranteed or not. Um, I, I, think, I think I saw it was, it was 90% guaranteed. 90% wow. guaranteed. And, wow. And, I mean, the last three years, they're paying north of $11 million. Yeah. Oh, it gets, it gets it, into the 12s by the end of the contract. Yeah, I saw it in the 12s. You know, uh, here's an interesting thing I heard about Rule. And it was speculation, but on the Solid Verbal podcast, I don't know you listen to too, John, they mentioned that they fully expect Matt Rule to be the coach at Penn State in five years. You know, that's his dream job uh, by all accounts from there. Uh, grew up a Penn State fan. And, you know, you've heard rumblings about James Franklin for years and, you know, five years out, who knows where he's at now. He's got him back in the top 10 this year. So it's been a huge success for him, but I don't think James Franklin's there to stay another five years. So I could easily see if Matt rule is successful in Nebraska, uh, he's coming home to Penn state in all likelihood. Yeah. Well, get that, that part, I won't argue with Nebraska on gamble worth taking if, if that's the yep. main concern, but it's, it's the other part that, well, would worry me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they need a coach that can show they can win at Nebraska again, right? I mean, yeah. it's kind of like K-State, you needed somebody other than Bill Snyder to show that he could win here, and K-State's now gotten that in Chris Kleiman. Nebraska's had a long run now of, of no success, so they desperately need someone to, to get the tide in the right direction. You know who's had a really long run of sustained success? That's us with our lead pipe locks of the week because we all were correct last week. Nice pat on the back for everybody getting back on the winning track to improve our Sterling records to Derek seven and five, me six and six, and Cole five and seven. Well, so I was wrong. Were you wrong? Yeah, yeah. I, I intentionally took KU because I was on such a terrible streak. Right. I wanted. Uh... All right, never mind. You are you are four and eight, Cole. I'm sorry, you're four and eight. Never mind. By the way, I'm winning on two different shows: three ball and Power Cat game day. Did you? Did you text me back when I asked if we got our locks right? Yeah, I you did, said didn't you? I? Of course I didn't. Damn. Okay. All right. 
I said it worked. You, you know what I, you were like, what are you doing? Well, because I, I lost my previous two picks by a combined 100 to 17. So I thought by taking KU, it would ensure a K-State cover and K-State covered. By, okay, by so the way, so now, now you've lost your last three by 137 is what's happening. <laughs> I've lost my last six overall. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. I started four and two. Boy. <laughs> I will yeah. say I, I mine covered by like a ton of points because I took Tennessee minus 14 and they won 55 to zero. Yeah, and on Power Cat Game Day, I that was one of Mitch's picks, and I took Vanderbilt. <laughs> I'm on a real tear. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it is it is November, November for uh, Hamback <laughs> and his, his picks here. Uh, All right, well, I'm gonna start. I, I the one that I love this week. I, there are a couple that are tempting, honestly. SEC championship game, uh, Big Ten championship game. I'm looking at both of those as potential, uh, you know, dogs. I, I like the dogs to cover there, but I'm gonna go with Purdue at plus sixteen and a half, just because. I mean, letdown of all letdown spots for Michigan here. Not just the fact that they beat Ohio State and did it the way that they did, but also you're playing a team that's not going to get you fired up in the Big Ten Championship game. You're virtually assured a spot in the playoff no matter what happens here in this game. And then, you know, peeking ahead at that, I just – all the motivation stuff here to me screams that, that Purdue can keep this thing competitive. And and outside of the Ohio State game, you know, Michigan is not a super explosive offense, right, that you think of being able to run and, and hide from people. And we still don't know – I mean, I don't know what the health update is on Blake Corum. Um, but he hardly played at all last week against Ohio State, their star running back. So to me, Purdue would be the pick there. I'll take uh, Purdue plus 16 and a half. The, the only thing I would quibble with you on, John, is like that all makes sense, but that all applied last year, and then Michigan beat the crap out of Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. This so, ain't Iowa, all right? This is not Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> but listen, Kirk Ferentz is great, and he should stay at Iowa forever. Do not fire him. <laughs> um, I actually like the unders in both of those games that, that you said, but if I'm going to pick a side, the one that jumps out to me the most is probably the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. I like USC minus three. Hard to beat a team twice. Um, Utah's already beat USC. I, I like the Trojans. I like USC too, D.Y., so you're oh. screwed. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I actually here's, – here's the actual lock of the week. I'm going to give you a two-team parlay, and it's going to include USC at minus three. You're going to couple that. Parlay that together with the Tulane Green Wave minus three and a half on their home field against UCF in a revenge game. You're not going to march into whatever the hell they call the stadium at Tulane and win back-to-back times in the same season and the with the championship in the line of the AAC with a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Tulane wins that game. They're going to New Year's Six Bowl. So uh, I'm taking the Green Wave. And, they're, and they've been playing really good football since the loss to UCF. So – I like Tulane to cover that. I like USC to cover the number that that DY took. I actually like Purdue too, John. I would encourage all of you to uh, to take Stop. a three team parlay, or Stop or it. or a three team teaser. Maybe tease it. I know you're not. It's not big to tease college football, but maybe a little six seven point teaser. Tease those out a little extra so you can get Tulane at like plus three. Get Which USC at plus three. Lock? What? Which one is your lock? Okay, it's it's Tulane, but I'm encouraging people to do a three-team teaser with six points, all right, on the teams I just said. Okay. That's – by the way, Cole, it's Yulman Stadium uh, to you, all right? You uh, and I apologize because I, I respect Tulane. I just didn't know what they called it. We, the, the K-State plays there next year, right? Two years. Oh, okay. No, we gotta got to go back. Got, yeah, yeah. Got, got Missouri on the road next year. Yeah. That's right. I wonder if that game will get moved to Arrowhead. 
You don't just march into Yulman Stadium and walk out a victor. Winner of that game will go to the Cotton Bowl. That is official now. Uh, based on the way the college football playoff rankings came out, it'll be either UCF or Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. Right, so are, are you sure Texas can't get into the Cotton Bowl? I mean, maybe Texas fans start <laughs> tweeting the AAC. I would love to watch Texas uh, grovel at the feet of Tulane trying to make their case to get in uh, to the Cotton Bowl over them. Have fun in, uh, I, I guess, probably the Alamo Bowl for, for Texas. I, I actually, it, the way I've been described, they said because Texas has played in so many consecutive bowl games in Texas now that they might be actually more inclined to leave the state and maybe go to somewhere SEC territory. World or not, uh, not camping Cheesy bowl in Orlando. Yeah. In Orlando, then they could get probably a big crowd to to travel if you put tech in the Alamo Bowl in that case. I was just gonna say, man, yeah, if you, if you put tech in San Antonio, there will be a lot of tech fans there. Yeah, you're right. Uh okay, prediction time. I'm taking the cats, man. I'm taking the cats. I'm feeling it. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. 34-30, K-State uh getting the win, which honestly is the best case scenario for the big 12, right? Or just for everybody involved here. TCU will still make the playoff. They can still go do their thing. Then you get K-State some shine and some extra love. You get two programs on the come up here from the new look big 12. That is the case. This is utilitarian. Is that the utilitarianism? What's the one where it's like, you know, you just want as much happiness for everybody. I'm going to look that up and stop sounding stupid, but K-State wins 34-30. It almost sounded like you were trying to convince TCU to lay over. To, to do the Big 12 itself. I am. Way <laughs> over. Um, I, I like Cats, too. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout, though. I, I think you're going to play inside. Both offenses can be pretty prolific when they're on their A game. Um, both defenses have had some sore spots this year when they're playing really good offenses. I think Kansas State wins, but I think it's a shootout. I have 41-38. I think it'll be that kind of game. Yeah, let me throw a couple more numbers at you guys. K-State's 5.3 yards per carry against TCU earlier this year was the most allowed by their defense on the entire season, and the 7.4 yards per play by the K-State offense was the second most that TCU's allowed on the season. Uh, and then special teams. You know, K-State, you, you look at this on where there's some advantage areas for Kansas State. Um, I'm trying to find the exact one that I highlighted here, but th- there is a couple areas in the return game where I think K-State – could pop one potentially uh, against TCU. So uh, special teams are a huge factor in these things. Turnovers are as well. TCU's only turned the ball over eight times this season. K-State's similar. K-State's number five in the country in turnover margin per game. Whatever gives there is going to be a huge factor as well as special teams. But I think K-State is the better team. I'm going to stick with what I thought in October when I watched that game unfold. I take K-State 38, TCU 34. You know, no, no headgear, Derek. No, no helmet or anything for us this week. You gotta. Can you give us a helmet? You know, Corso's gonna be there. Oh, glory! Oh yeah. yeah. There we go. Do you have a TCU helmet you can smash against the wall? No, I don't. Do you have one I can throw on the field? Again, no, I don't. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Don't have a helmet. (laughs) Just get your beers, Cole. You said you were excited about the fact that you'll be able to purchase beers in the stadium to to throw it. Well, I'm not a. Well, you know, I'm. Uh, John, we're sitting in the uh, the club mezzanine level, so uh, we're going to have the privilege to probably buy like $25 bourbon drinks up there. So, okay. You know, I yeah. can – things might get a little uh, lit with Brody. Not him drinking, but with me. <laughs> just, to, just to clarify. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, as we try to move on from that comment, it'll be uh, Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon. 
that is that is there. If not, That's make sure to bring it to your tailgate uh, from our friends at Holiday Distillery. Ben Holiday bottled a Bond Bourbon 360 Vodka. Whichever your poison of choice is, get stocked up. Help support uh, some K-Staters that support our podcast. Safe travels, everybody who's heading out to Arlington. Again, as Cole mentioned earlier, we may have some news uh, about a, a live show potentially on Friday night. So stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter for that, at J.L. Kurtz, at Cole underscore Manbeck, at uh, – what, what is it again, Derek? <laughs> Derek Young KSO. Derek Young KSO. Uh, follow us on, uh, on Twitter for uh, the updates as far as that goes. Uh, hey, tonight we really appreciate Jordan Foote filling in pinch hitting as our producer. Much, much, much appreciated. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening, as always. We are headed to Arlington. We will see you there. We will talk to you soon. 